it's time for a heart to heart. <laughs> if you're anything like me, you've, you sense, if you've been around for a while, that something's going on, you're not really sure what, and I, I honestly don't really know either, uh, but you don't like being kept in the dark, and neither do I. So this morning, uh, we'll be talking about uh, doing some real talk uh, and talking about revival. So if you received a letter from me in the mail this weekend, some of this will sound like old news. Um, if you haven't received that, it'll probably come Monday. And if you don't receive it Monday, let me know and I'll send one to you. But uh, it's important, I think, to be transparent, to be completely honest and open with each other. So let's talk. It's been a rough few months, hasn't it? There are obviously fewer people in church today, these days, and understandably less money in every week's offering. And the numbers alone can be discouraging. But let me say right off the bat, this is not about money, and it's not about how many people are in attendance. I'm not going to ask anyone to give more or start a giving campaign. Sure, money has a, a role in every church, in every life, but God doesn't build his church on money. Nor does God build his church on marketing campaigns or direct mailers or on a fast, fantastic technology or state-of-the-art sound systems, as nice as those things are. God doesn't even build his church in a building. All these things can be great. But God built his church on the cornerstone of Jesus. And God built his church on people who are being changed and made new. People who are willing to follow him up the mountain and wait while a cloud hangs low and impedes all visibility. God built his church on people who pray and repent and follow no matter what it costs them. So let me be clear again, this is not about money or whether there are 50 people or 15 people or 500 gathered. This is about spiritual revival. I am calling our community, myself and all of you here, to link arms, maybe literally with each other, to link aim, to focus in the coming weeks on conviction of sin, on prayer, on confession, on transformation. So yeah, I'm going to call all of us in these coming six weeks of Lent to ask the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sins. That's a super fun prayer to pray. Just, just heads out there. As the Holy Spirit then reveals our sin to us, and we are probably going to be surprised by what the Holy Spirit reveals, because we, if we're in church, we're not living lives that are obviously out of line. We're not murdering people. We're not robbing banks, so we're doing pretty good. So we're often surprised by what the Holy Spirit shows us. But that's a great thing, because we're like, oh, cool. Now the Holy Spirit can deal with this. Then we're going to actually confess those sins and say, okay, yeah, I see what you're saying there, God. We need to confess. We're going to release one another from those sins, being unleashed 
to be made whole and holy. And then in this six-week rhythm of prayer and confession, prayer and confession, prayer and confession, I believe and I trust that we will be witnessing a real revival, a work that only the Holy Spirit can do in people's hearts who are prepared Soil that is cultivated. If you believe me, I planted seeds on just like random brown and dirt that has not been cared for at all. Nothing happens. Nothing grows there. You have to till the soil and till the soil and till the soil and then plant the seed and then not leave it alone. But then water it and tend to it and weed it and then something grows. That's the work of prayer and conviction and confession. We're going to be preparing the soil of our hearts for God to actually grow something. Most days I need to be reminded of this truth. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't make this my church. Praise God, it's God's church. And I believe God is good. And God is faithful. And God's church will endure for eternity. God's bride is forever and ever. Amen. And I also have to admit, I have no idea what, what exactly is going on in this piece of God's church called Monroe Free Methodist. I'm confused for a lot of reasons, and maybe you are too. Some of them I can share now, and some of which I, I can't even quite put words to yet, but I'll share what I can. So for starters, this past month alone, three of our five board members have turned in their resignations. Both Kellyanne and Dave Morgan resigned from their board terms and their positions as local ministerial candidate and treasurer. It's difficult on them and difficult on us, and we are appreciative to them in the years they've served and loved in our community. It's painful to admit that in every church, every church you will ever see, we will find brokenness. Every church system is flawed. Every pastor is imperfect. Every leader, every congregant, all of us are flawed. We know this is true, but it's also still sad. And I'm sad to say that the Morgans are leaving us with heavy hearts. So please pray for them. If you see them, give them a hug. And we pray that Jesus' love would show them their next steps and surround them with love. Aaron LaDuke has also turned in his resignation from the board for different reasons. He and Jennifer are seeking the right place for their son, William, to thrive. And so we bless them in this search. Um, we love them and we're grateful too for the years that they have served here um, cleaning and running sound and being a part of the board. So we'll be scheduling a society meeting soon. I don't think we have one scheduled yet, but we will need to elect new board members and a new treasurer to join Mark and Garrett in leadership. Um, Members are welcome to vote, but every one of you, you don't have to be a member or a certain age to suggest someone, uh, to nominate someone who you think would be a strong, uh, upstanding leader for our congregation for this next season. So if you have someone in mind, uh, let Kevin and I know, and um, hopefully in the next, by March 8th or so, we will um, be working on a list of nominees for that. 
So that's all heavy, right? Winter's tough enough as it is, isn't it? Even though less snow has fallen than normal, I feel like a blanket of despair has been dumped on a lot of us. Kevin and I have been carrying these realities of the church for a few months, plus dealing with our family's never-ending sickness and virus and flu. That's why the girls aren't here again today. And in this room here, even this small number of us, I know that we represent a tough season. We've been navigating cancer and sepsis and pregnancy and death and depression and suicide and marriage proposals and thoughts of divorce. That's a lot. And on top of all of this stuff, for me, I, I feel a lot like Moses. I feel some solidarity with him in Exodus 24, and maybe some of you do too. I have a clear sense of what God is calling me to do. I have almost audibly heard God's words say something like he said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain. But then the next part is really uncomfortable and downright scary because God says, come up to me on the mountain. Oh, cool, let's go up to see God on the mountain and wait there. Cool. Waiting is the best. <laughs> but wait, Melanie, there's more than just waiting. While you're waiting, to see if you're crazy or if you actually did hear God say what you think he said or did you just make that up, a thick, dense fog is going to fall and you're probably going to lose all sense of where you are. <laughs> awesome. So, as I was reading this passage and thinking about that, that cloud hovering over Moses on the mountain, I can't help but think of this early morning drive that Kevin and I had back in 2013. Do you remember that? We were headed to New York City to take our first and only cruise, and we were driving from our home near Rochester, New York. We left while it was still dark, probably 3 or 4 in the morning, and by the time we got to the Adirondack Mountains, we encountered a fog that was so thick, we couldn't see beyond our front bumper. Everyone, I didn't even know who else was on the road, like we couldn't see any, anything. It was all we could do to keep our eyes glued on the little strip of white line that we could see and peeled for a car that may or may not be directly in front of us. It was really terrifying, a couple of hours. So do I know exactly what the future holds for me? No. Do I know exactly what's in store for you? Do you know? Probably not. Do we know what's in store exactly for Monroe Free Methodist? No. I feel like I'm in a cloud. A cloud that is simultaneously dense and terrifying, but somehow strangely warm and comforting. It's almost like being in a cloud that is the presence of God himself. Exodus 24, 17, the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it. The glory of the Lord in the form of a cloud enveloped Moses. And according to the people, the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain. 
the same God who led those people to Mount Sinai and through the desert to the promised land is still leading us today. I believe the same God who sent his son to show humanity his great love is still wooing us with his love today. I believe the same God who transfigured Jesus in the eyes of his few disciples who followed him and actually stayed awake for once on the mountain is wanting to transform us, maybe transfigure us in the eyes of one another. Like, what if our, eye, our lives began to be changed and everybody saw it? Like, everybody looked at Mark and like, what is happening to him right now? What is God doing in his life? What is God doing in Robin's life and Clay's life? What is happening? God wants to transfigure and transform us. So this Lent, I want us to pray like we've never prayed before. I want us to pray for the Holy Spirit to revive us, and not just in this like fluffy sort of way, but actually change us, transfigure us. Make us into something that we're not already. I believe many of us will be freed from darkness and the despair that comes with sin or unhealth. I believe we'll be empowered to walk with courage into the cloud that God says, come up to me on my mountain. We'll have courage to follow him into the unknown. Into the unknown. Anybody from the unknown? I've been singing it all the time. I can't stop. No. <laughs> Sorry, I just love that movie so much. <laughs> that wasn't in my sermon. I didn't write that in. Um, but Lent starts this week, and I believe that we'll be changed. Guys, seriously, though, if you watch Frozen 2, like, Olaf is like, I wonder what's going to happen. Oh, my gosh, that would have been a perfect analogy. Okay, so in Frozen 2, okay, everybody walks up Olaf, the snowman, and Sven, and Kristoff, and Anna, and Elsa. They walk up to the edge of this forest that's literally covered in a dense cloud. How did I not see this analogy? when I was writing the sermon. That's just like... Yeah, <laughs> sermon, done. <laughs> so they walk up to this cloud, and Olaf is like, I'm going to walk into it. And it like throws him back. And he's like, I'm going to try that again. And it throws him back. And he's like, well, that was fine. He's, and then Elsa gets the, the cloud to lift, and they all walk in. And he's like... And Olaf says something about like, Ooh, this could be a metaphor. Like, I wonder how our lives would be changed. We could all be different. And then they are all different. They come out the other side after everything has been transformed and the whole landscape of the place and the way that they all look. Have you cut your hair, Elsa? Kristoff uh, asks her, and she's like, yeah, something like that. They're all different because they were willing to walk into the unknown, not knowing how scary it would be, trusting that there was a reason that they were being prepared and called to do something. Gosh, this is exciting. Okay. So starting over. Starting over. Okay. So Lent starts this week, right? It starts on Ash Wednesday. And Lent is the best and the worst. It really is. It's just, it can just be really hard. 
the last couple of Lent's for me have been incredibly painful for different reasons. So I don't know what God might be inviting you to do, whether that's giving something up and fasting every week, whether that's a practice that he wants you to institute that you're not already doing, I don't know. But I'm inviting all of us to take this Lent seriously, to not just have it be about eating punchkis on Tuesday and then like maybe eating meat again six weeks from now. I want us to return to God with our whole hearts. I want us, I'm going to be creating space in our service over the next six weeks to hear from God together. It's going to be more about prayer and worship, probably little or no sermon, where the people of God will hear, I am trusting and praying, will hear from God together. Space to sing, if you want to, to sit, to I don't know, lay on the ground, to stand, to do whatever you need to do to encounter God. Space to pray, space to pray over someone, space to then share. What are you hearing from God as we read these scriptures together? Did anyone, did anything stick out to you? My prayer is that each of us will hear from God because we feel safe enough in this space. And that will then respond to God right then and there in the presence of one another, in the presence of God's people. So how do we experience, how do we prepare for this type of revival when we have no idea what we're going to encounter in the forest, up on the mountain covered in a cloud? Well, last Sunday, I'm sure you remember every word of Pastor Kevin's sermon, Um, he said something that stuck out to me. He said, the Holy Spirit, this is paraphrasing, I'm sorry. The Holy Spirit is always present with us. That That is God's promise. The Holy Spirit is with us when we gather. But is the Spirit welcome? The welcome is the part that we are in charge of. The welcome is up to us. And I think there's two ways that we can welcome the Holy Spirit every single Sunday, but in particular, I'm urging you to do that over these next six Sundays. Pray. Pray for your own heart. I don't just mean pray for our church. I don't just mean pray in generalities. I want you to pray and be brave and pray the scary prayer. Holy Spirit, reveal my sins to me. You might remember my sermon from a couple of weeks before that where I shared about the Asbury Revival and Bishop Linda Adams says conviction of sin and confession of sin are the prerequisites, the precursors for spiritual revival. So if you've ever taken a high school or college class and you're like, okay, I want to take Psych 402, and they're like, sorry, you haven't had Psych 101 yet. Like you have to have the prerequisite before you get to this next level. It's the same thing here. You will not be spiritually changed. There will not be revival unless you pray and are convicted and then confess your sins. And that's the next part is confess. Admit your sins out loud to Jesus so your own ears can hear it. If you live by yourself or you you have prayer time by yourself, which I hope you do, say it out loud. Go for a walk and talk to yourself. God, I am dealing with some serious pride here, and it's super embarrassing. You know, like, whatever it is, 
internalize it so it's not just in your head. Confess those sins to someone you trust. Even if they're not against that person, bring them into the light. Honest and frequent confession is at the heart of discipleship, of what it means to be transformed, to become like Jesus. And that means helping each other. That means being a safe place where we can confess to each other, this is what I'm dealing with. And having someone navigate that with us. So yeah, it's been a rough winter. Uh, But I believe and trust that if we each do our part in praying and confessing, that our worship together over these next six weeks will be encountered with the holiness of God, the intimate love of Jesus like we've never known, and the transforming power of the Holy Spirit.